This is Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast, as we do each and every week, bringing you the latest news and notes when it comes to your Reds, and of course, a ton of banter in between. Gareth Wheeler with you, and it's a little bit weird today because I'm sitting in studio all by myself. Because my main man, Terry Dunfield, is joining me on the line. Um, This time not calling in from Dallas, Texas, but the BMO training ground. We're not that far away, Terry, but schedules collide, and this is how it's going to have to be this week. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you miss me? May I miss you so much. Like like a a 12. (laughs) Now we know that you're full of it, and we should take everything you say on this podcast this week with a grain of salt. It, that was just my messed up accent. It's, it's, I miss you big time, mate. Okay. It's it's different not doing this in person, right? Because I get a sense of all, all of your eye rolling and your shrugs and the <laughs> level of discontent whenever you disagree with me. When you say something rubbish and I kind of just stare at you a little bit. Exactly. I, I'm not a great poker player. That's okay. And I oftentimes don't make sense. That's why it works. Um... This week we're going to go. Yes, exactly. We're going to go through Toronto FC's latest setback. Look ahead to this week against Columbus. Give you reasons to believe that TFC is close to turning this thing around. And we hope to have Alex Bono, the Toronto FC goalkeeper, who just picked up his first U.S. Men's National Team cap, joining me as well. First off, Terry, um, I hosted a pre-match rally last week. Uh, ahead of the home tie against FC Dallas at the Stanley Barracks, I gave out a prize to a lucky winner. If he could name me, the first person that could come up and name me my co-host on this podcast. So this young chap comes up and he says, oh, it's, of course, it's Terry Dunfield. And I just I, I decided to dig deeper. I'm like, all right, on a scale of one to ten, how much do you like this podcast? He's like, oh, about six and a half out of ten. I almost, prize back? I almost <laughs> took the prize back. Are you kidding? Six and a half out of ten. This is the greatest podcast potentially in history and definitely in Toronto sports. I'm surprised. I'll be honest. I'm surprised. You're surprised at what? That he gave us such a high rating? or? Yeah, I was going to say. I'm surprised we got a six and a half. <laughs> I'll take that all day. I almost took it back. I sh- should I? I? I can't do that, though. I'm trying to be a nice guy. Yeah, that's all right. It was, uh, how, how was the event? It was decent. It, it was decent. I think we're still like building up awareness that the rallies are no longer in Liberty Village, like uh, outside Brazenhead, right? They've changed the location. It's a big location. It's, it's beautiful. The Budweiser girls are there. There's there's the Alhimidor vodka people. Like there's all these temptations around me where I just want to have a drink before our match call. Maybe that's what we need to take the next step. Those temptations are tough. I, I had to deal with those for 17 years while I'm playing. They've just soon dried up. I'll be honest. So, so on the radio this week, I interviewed the guy that's the the best ever uh, guy at cheese rolling. Do you know this Gloucestershire cheese roll? Did you see it when you're when you're living in yeah, England? Yeah, is that when they fly down the hill? They roll the cheese down the hell, and whoever gets it first wins the cheese. Oh, yeah. So this guy in 14 years, he's caught 22 cheeses. He's the ulti- He's like the LeBron James of this event. And I interviewed him this week, and he told me that they only got good at it because him and his friends got drunk and used to try to throw each other down that hill. Like he's a local in, Gro- in Gloucester. 
And uh, he told me that in his first couple of years of doing the event, they'd have pints beforehand. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine cool that? Event. Would you do I it? Have, I, to be fair, I'd have a glass of wine first because wine obviously goes a bit nicer with the cheese, but that sounds like fun. Creative event, too. I was just going to say. just whip down the hill and you've got to just try and snag one? Yeah, as people around you are breaking their arms and legs. Crazy. Crazy. Anyways, I, I, I was, would be good at that. I was just trying. I was just trying to like transition because you couldn't go and have a pint and play ninety minutes of football. There's no way. No. Do you know anyone that did over the course of your career? <laughs> Not that I'm going to tell you. Right. <laughs> okay. I was just check, just checking, Terry, because no. To be honest, players, uh, I'll be honest. Sometimes make poor decisions, uh, but, but usually thing, it's a night before. Here, Adhere to the 48 hours, no drinking before a game. Okay. Is, is that yeah. pretty much scripture? I think, yeah, I think I think that's just out of respect to, to, to the game and, and soccer. And I think if you were to go out and drink, you, you're, you're disrespecting uh, not only soccer, your teammates, you, you know, and, and everything that the game stands for. So, And, I, I, and your body? Never, may, pardon? And your body, your own well-being? Yeah, and your body, and, and uh, there's no hiding nowadays with all the sports science and monitors, and, and, you know, it's hard enough playing the game at the top level. You don't need to make it any harder. Shall we discuss Toronto FC's uh, one nothing loss at home to FC Dallas on Friday night, Terry? A disappointing result on what inevitably was a very frustrating night, wasn't it, for TFC? Yeah, I, I think the, the word frustrating has been branded over the last seven days a lot. And, and, and that's because I, I think especially in the first half, TFC actually played quite well. They were the better team. Dallas looked a little bit of a threat on the counter. Berrios, Rudy looked sharp up, up, up front, former TFC man. But TFC created five or six glorious opportunities in the first half, didn't take one, found themselves down 1-0 at halftime, could have been two bar a good stop from Clint Irwin and all of a sudden it was it was TFC were then chasing the game with a little bit of a depleted squad in the second half and I think when you look back at, at games over the course of the season that, that that's a game where, where Dallas were there for the taking they were missing a couple of players Diaz was away on the bench so it was which is disappointing and not what we're used to we've, we've been spoiled in the last couple of years too it could have been so much different and conceding the first goal has been a problem for Toronto FC but they should have scored in the second minute of the game. Sebastian Javico's free kick drew a big save from Jesse Gonzalez. Then also in the first 10 minutes, Sebastian Javinko on the far post, textbook volley, Gonzalez's reaction saved down to his left. It was just the goalkeeper was, in his very first start of the year for FC Dallas, it had the makings of a star performance early, and it turned out to be just one of those days in front of goal for Toronto FC. Yeah, Gonzalez absolutely stood on his head. As you said, it was his first started, first game of the season for Dallas, and he's got it in him. He, he's he's been wanted by both Mexico and the U.S. He's gonna looks as though we compete uh, to play for the U.S. But he, he's he, he made some big stops, and then I've looked at the free kick a couple of times. He flies over to the left hand of it of his goal, taps it around the post, and. For a goalkeeper, that first save, that first touch of the ball is so important, especially if you've not played in a little while. I like the 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 move or the action for the Javinko volley. I thought Auro caused all sorts of problems against Figueroa down 
TFC's right-hand side, got in behind him uh, and, and whipped in a great ball to the back post, and Javinko just unleashed uh, a, a textbook volley, gets his hips over top of it, and Gonzalez makes another good save. And this is five minutes into the game, and TFC could easily be leading at this point. Made nine saves, Gonzalez did on the day. And in the 16th minute, Toronto FC drew a penalty Javinko goes down inside the area. A brilliant one, too, wasn't it? Little touch and go with Toss St. Ricketts. How beautiful was that? Little back heel. Oh, it was super sexy. And, yeah. and, I, and I think we said it on a radio broadcast. It was worth the admission alone. Just sucks the defender in. It was like a little left foot back heel. Gets it back from Ricketts. It just beats hedges to the ball. And I've got no doubt whatsoever. We had a few of TFC fans calling after the game, sort of saying Vasquez should be taking banished Javinko from, from penalties because he's missed a couple. But I, I think you want your big players stepping up, taking penalties. I don't think you want to take anything away from Javinko. And, and, and he, I think his form's been excellent. The goals aren't there, but everything else is there. I think they'll come. And, and he just telegraphs his penalty a little bit for me. And, and Gonzalez makes a good save. It was at a nice height. He's actually he's already moving before Javinko kicks it. He already he actually acknowledged Javinko did uh, during a media availability on Thursday that he's thinking too much on on penalties. That's that's what happens, doesn't it, Terry? Because he always used to go low to his left, the goalkeeper's right. He switched it up, and now it looks like he's caught between two places. That's exactly what you don't want to do if you're a penalty taker. Yeah, you don't want to overthink it, as you say. You don't want to change your mind at the last minute. And and I think when you're just struggling a little bit from the spot is, for, for me, I'd always just put my foot through it and, and make the keeper make a good save. Just just almost leather it into the back of the net. And uh, Javinko tries to, to, to place it uh, to Gonzalez's left. It, it, he misses, and it, and it just sort of just deflates BMO a little bit as well. Yeah, and, and that was in the 16th minute, and we kind of skipped you already, over. Yeah, you're already 1-0 down. No, I, yeah, I skipped point. over the goal, but I, it was just like those three chances from Sebastian Javinko inside the first 20 minutes. You know, he scores one or two of those opportunities. It's a different story the way the game plays out. Well, well let's get to the goal. It's 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 Yerudi that gets it in the 11th minute after TFC misplay a throw-in. And Dallas, against the run of play, goes the other way. Uh, a missed shot attempt, in fairness, by Kellen Acosta lands on the foot of Yurudi. Just a reaction, just poke, just puts the ball in the corner. Nothing Clint Irwin could do. Yeah, fox in the box stuff. And I, I think TFC started the game extremely well, and they play at their best when they play at a, a high tempo. And I, I thought TFC repressed when they lost possession well to, to get that ball back, had Dallas pinned in, or picking up second balls for fun. And it was a... It all came from a Dallas throw-in, and I think TFC thought they could step and win the ball. Bradley steps up. He's beaten. Mavinga tries to come over on the cover once that initial wave of pressure is beaten. Mavinga's not able to quite get there. He, he sort of slides slides to block the cross. Mascara does quite well, cuts it back to the edge of the box. Acosta just drags his shot a little bit, but Yerudi, box in the box stuff, good awareness from him to flex the shot in, and it, it, it sort of BMO just went quiet and you're like, really again? And, and it just, it was, a, it shouldn't have happened because TFC were in the ascendancy. And I thought you Rudy looked dangerous up top, but I, I didn't really see Dallas scoring at that point. Seventh game this year. They've conceded a goal in the first 50 minutes. Is that remarkable? Yeah. They didn't do that all last year. Yeah. And, and one of their goals uh, last season and why they had so much success when they, before the season even started was, 
uh, not to concede in the first 15 minutes of each half. And uh, right now, TFC are struggling with That's that. Where they, I think they've given up five in the first 15 of the second half as well, Terry. So yeah. The other the other segments of the game, they're doing quite well. Yeah, and and I, I think that, that that that's where the sort of we, we spoke about it at the start of the podcast. That frustration starts to come with and come from, and and I think TFC are pushing so hard to get that first goal, and at times are just leaving themselves a little bit open at the back, and, and are just trying at times just forcing things a little bit rather than being patient. Look, you don't need to. I, I know you want to press throw-ins at times, press goal kicks, at, at times stay compact, make Dallas beat you. Uh, and then if you win it a little bit deeper, there's space to go into it. But the mentality's right to try and take the game to Dallas. But when you concede first that many times, it's hard to chase games in this league because, again, you, you open yourself up. You're up a little bit to a second goal or you're spending a lot of energy trying to get that goal. 23 shots on Gonzalez's 23rd birthday uh, another great effort by another ball in by Aro. Victor Vasquez got his head to the ball in the first half of play. A brilliant save diving to his right, but toss ain't Ricketts right there inside the six. I mean, it kind of sums up his season thus far. Ricketts getting himself in good positions, just simply can't finish. Just came off his shin, looked like he was surprised it fell to him. You know he didn't sleep on Friday night, maybe not even over the course of the weekend, because that's an opportunity last year, the year before, Ricketts puts into the back of the net. Yeah, I I agree with you, and and it's tough because for Ricketts and Hamilton, starting up alongside either Javinko or Altador doesn't come very often because Javinko and Altador are your two go-to guys, so I'm I'm sure Ricketts will be disappointed with that. He's got the quality to finish. Again, it comes from the right-hand side. Aurojo's having a field day. Nicely timed run from Vasquez gets in between the center halves. I think he does everything he can with the header. Just uses the pace of the cross to just guide it to the back coast. Big save from Gonzalez. And then just falls to the feet of St. Ricketts. And, and you're thinking, just stick it in. That's all you have to do. And it, it, it was a little bit of a hesitant finish. He doesn't really put his foot through it. The contact's not great. And it just sort of dribbles into Gonzalez. And I, I, I thought TFC looked at their best when Ricketts or in the second half, Hamilton played alongside Javinko and TFC have two up front. I, I, I thought TFC looked a little bit toothless when Javinko was just up on his own for 30 minutes in the second half. But uh, Ricketts did a good job, I thought, of occupying the center half, running in depth, just creating space underneath for Javinko to play. But at the end of the day, strikers' wheels, as we know, are, are judged by goals. And just like Hamilton the week before against Orlando in the in the second minute when that chance comes your way you need to stick it in. Uh, Mavinga forced out of the match in the first half of play actually had a tooth removed that some of his problems he's been dealing with so he's missed the last two days of training but Mavinga came out that wasn't good Haglin came in he looked very good when he came in I thought Liam Fraser did well on the match and simply put Terry just not enough in it for Toronto FC you're down Delgado you're down Zavaleta you're down more players and it just seems like they couldn't find that right mix that extra gear and the word that was continued to be used post-match was execution and sharpness. And spot on, the team just needs to be much more clinical in the attacking third, find ways to create against stubborn back lines that are putting 10-11 behind the ball and just trying to defend. Yeah, I think you're a little bit more more worried if you're not creating those chances. The fact that TFC created, as we described, five or six good chances 
in the first half. I don't think the coaching staff or players will be too worried. Uh, but you have to execute. And when that chance comes your way, you need to take it. Goals do change change games. I thought, as you, as you said, Liam Fraser was good. Uh, he was steady in the middle of the park. I don't think he gave the ball away all game. He was a nice outlet for TFC to switch a point and go to the other side of the pitch. Uh, I thought he was economical uh, with, with his movements, and he always looked fresh on the ball. I thought his positioning was good, was never out of place. The only thing I will say is, is you just lose Michael Bradley's presence in the middle of the park, and I don't think you can play both Liam and Bradley beside each other. We saw that last year very rarely. Did sort of Shea Rue and Bradley work together in the middle of the park. Those types of profiles aren't great. So if you're going to play Liam Fraser, unfortunately that means if Michael Bradley's fit, you need to really play him in the back three. Yeah, and I, I kind of want to push Michael Bradley forward and have Fraser learn and be a sponge and really grow from playing around on a day-to-day basis in training for Michael Bradley. I mean, he's yeah, a player yeah, that's... For, yeah, for sure, but we're not even talking about this. If, if TFC take their chances, and right. it, it wasn't like... I, I thought Barrios, Barrios on the right-hand side for Dallas caused some problems uh, down TFC's, I guess, left-hand side a little bit. Well, because Telfer's uh, not a natural left-back. He's more of an attacking no, no, left-sided player. I thought TFC looked comfortable in the three-five-two formation in the first half, but the, the space just in behind Telfer at wing-back was exposed. I thought Urudi was a threat up top, but it's not like TFC were being breaking de- broken down. It, it just The fact that they, they just couldn't take that chance, and I thought in the first half they spent a lot of energy. And, and in the second half, it was as though TFC just huffed and puffed a little bit. They created a couple half chances. Telfer had a shot that he pulled, and Ozo in the 90th minute had a shot he dug out of his feet that the keeper made a good save, but didn't really create chances like they did in the first half. Only other thing I want to touch on, the time-wasting. Seven cautions for the FC Dallas players. Um, I have no time for it, Terry. The tactics, each like it happened for like the last 30 minutes of the game, just killing off time. Um, I'm not sure what else the referee can do, but it looks bad on the players. I called it time-wasting FC, one Toronto FC, no score. Yeah, I think it still went, bothers me. I agree with you. I thought it went one step further than good game management. I thought the referee who branded yellow cards in the, in the last 10, five, 10 minutes of the game could have done that a little bit earlier to, to quicken the game up because you can't start time wasting once you've already been booked, but it, it's frustrating and it, and it drives fans nuts. And it, it actually, I thought broke up TFC's rhythm a little bit. They, they weren't able to, to really find their groove in the second half. I thought they looked at their best uh, when they brought Hamilton onto the last sort of 10, 15 minutes. Right. Um, look, I just I, I will not apologize for my stance on that. It's just the fans that are watching. I know if you want to continue to grow the television property and have people inside the stadium going home feeling that they have full value, you simply do not tolerate that kind of time wasting. It's a horrible look. And the one that bothered me, and you pointed out during the match, Gonzalez was on a yellow card. He time wasted again and started, instead of sending him off, Pencil ran the length of the field, or, or at least half the field, to go have a word with him. The goalkeeper waited till he got back in position, then played the ball. You wasted another 30, 40 seconds there. Yeah, I, I think if you're the ref, if you're going to run 40 yards to speak to a player to tell him to hurry up because he's already been booked and he's not brave enough to give him a second yellow... You're playing right into his hands. It's ridiculous for me. I would have loved to have seen the ref step. I think in an under-17 game, 
uh, over in Europe. A referee actually booked a, a goalkeeper in a penalty shootout. I think it might have been Ireland. And, and the keeper was actually sent off for leaving his line too early. He, he got a second yellow. So I, I've seen it done in different types of, of similar incidents. Uh, but but that that was for me. If you're gonna, he's clearly time wasting. Um, you know, very rarely will you see him get a second yellow for that. It's but difficult to deal with. It's about it's about the seconds. it's about the accountability of the player as well. Show some integrity in play, right? So I can only put so much on the referee. It's up to the players to acknowledge what's best for the game. As difficult as that is, just simply don't time waste. Defend. You yeah, know, pl- and, uh, play with integrity. I don't know what you think, Wheels, but one one thing I've noticed too, uh, especially this season, is is teams are are, are coming into BMO uh, and just enjoying the experience of playing the champions, playing in front of thirty thousand people on natural grass. It's uh, it's more times than not a beautiful playing surface, uh, and I think teams are just upping their game a little bit. Like I, I'm watching a lot of video on the teams before they come here. I, I watch a lot of MLS games. But when teams are, are, are playing at BMO, they're, they're really stepping their games up right now. Well put. Toronto FC fall to FC Dallas one nothing. They're on 10 points through 11 matches. Ahead of this Saturday's game against the Columbus Crew, Terry will join me in a few moments' time here on this podcast. We'll break down this weekend's matchup with the Columbus Crew, new grass in BMO Field, and some positive signs coming from the Reds. But Alex Bono, U.S. Men's National Team goalkeeper and your Toronto FC number one, joins the podcast next. That's coming up. This is Come On You Reds. This is Come On You Reds, Terry Dunfield, pushed to the sidelines where he belongs for the time being because we got to roll out the red carpet. And we missed him at BMO Field last Friday night, but there was a lot of pride throughout the stadium, within the organization, within the club, and, of course, Toronto at large. As Alex Bono uh, got a call-up to the U.S. men's national team yet again and picked up his first cap Monday night in a 3 nothing victory over Bolivia. And Bones, the solid guy he is, is giving us some time right here on your Toronto FC podcast. Congratulations, Alex, and welcome back home. Thank you, Gareth. I'm glad to be home. It was, uh, it was an honor, but I, I missed you guys. And I missed the city. Did you miss me specifically, pal? <laughs> you notice I said you guys. <laughs> I know. I just try to make it all about myself. Um, was the experience everything you thought it was going to be and more? It was. It really was. I. Um, it's a moment that I dreamed about my entire life. And for it to finally come to fruition and when you're walking out and you're wearing the crest and you listen to the anthem, it really, it definitely hits you. And um, like I said, I'd waited my entire life for that, for that one moment. And, uh, I definitely felt the full effect of it. The thing is, it's special when you sign your first professional contract. You win your first trophy. Then you go on and win a league or, a, or, or, or the MLS Cup at the end of the day. But representing your country, I, I'd have to assume, Alex, having never done that before, never done any of that before, <laughs> that, that it, it must be special just on a completely different level. For me... I've always said this and I'll continue to say it is that representing your country in any way uh, is the highest honor that a person can have. And, and for and sport is no different for me. It's the highest honor that, that I could ever have is, is to represent my country on the field. And uh, I was fortunate enough that, that I was able to do that, you know, this first time and uh, hopefully it's the first of many. And it's something for me that 
you can't take for granted and you have to work equally as hard for and, and, and harder now uh, to get the next one. So uh, it's been a good start for me. I'm, 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 I'm honored to be a, a fully capped international, as they say, and uh, now it's all about working towards the next one. What do you get for that? Do you get anything other than a firm hand uh, than a firm handshake? Pride, pride, and for for me that that's more than anything else that I could right. be given is, uh, is to be able to to do it. I've had the chance to meet your parents over the years as well. Not to make this about me, it's about you. Uh, your family was in attendance as well. That had to make it that much more special, didn't it? It was, and and for. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't have better parents and more supportive parents, and for them to always be making the trips up to Toronto and coming to watch the TFC games, and uh, they love coming up and seeing the city. For them to come down and and support me in in this endeavor was was really special as well. And you know, as you're walking out, I kind of glanced up and you see mom, and you kind of almost get a zoom in on her face, and and she's crying, and uh, you know, she's she's super dramatic and. Uh, she feels the pride as well. So it was really special for me that they got to share that moment with me. I, I love your story as well because you're a homegrown player that played college soccer for Syracuse in your hometown, and you're, 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 you come through the Super Draft, bide your time with Toronto FC, and blossom into a number one for club and country. It just goes to show there's more than one way to reach the upper echelon of your sport, doesn't it? Like, you don't always need to go off when you're 15 years old to some European academy that there's different ways to find success at the professional level. Oh, for sure. And for me, that's one of the main things that I tell people is, listen, you know, don't be in a rush to, to make a jump. Don't be in a rush to, uh, to do things too quickly or to, to do things that, that aren't necessarily in your realm of, of ability right away. Uh, for me, everyone has a different path to get to where they're going. And uh, I'm fortunate enough that my path worked out in my favor. And, and for me, the right path was, uh, was going to college and, you know, playing, playing Academy and going to my hometown university and playing there. And, uh, I was fortunate to have the opportunity to make the jump and, and I felt that I was ready and, uh, it's paid off for me up to this point as well. So, uh, the one thing I tell people is that, listen, everyone has a separate path. You know, some kids go over to Europe at 15 and become extremely good players and, and they find themselves in situations similar to where I am. And, some people go to college. Some people stay in the States and don't go to college, you know, stay, or stay, stay in North America and don't go to college. So for everyone, it's different. And uh, For me, I'm just very fortunate and very blessed that, that mine worked out uh, to where I am today. Alex Bono joining us here on Come On You Reds. I'm Wheels. Um, I, I watched the match from home. Uh, you were basically a spectator in the first half as well, in fairness, right? <laughs> Not much I mean, to yeah, do. It, it was... Uh, it reminded me a lot of MLS Cup, you know. Just kind of, <laughs> uh, the team played really well in front of me, and and uh, I had a good view of it. And uh, from that perspective, it's it was a dream debut in the sense that I wasn't thrown into something that uh, maybe my nerves would have would have hyped me too much up for, or uh, that sort of thing. It was nice to be able to kind of ease into the game and settle into it and really uh, find my footing, as they, as they would say. You don't get nervous, do you? You don't, you don't seem like a guy that gets nervous. Everyone gets nervous. It's all about how you, how you hide the nerves. And, really? Uh, oh, yeah, of course. And you get the butterflies and uh, you get the shaky knees a little bit in the, in the huddle before. And it's the nerves and it's excitement. It's adrenaline. It's all those things mixed together. And uh, it's all about how you can control it. You know, if you can control the nerves and, uh, you know, once the whistle blows, you're kind of just in the swing of a game. And you don't really think about the nerves, but, um, oh, they're there. 
they're, they're definitely there. Uh, I was bringing up the spectator part because you had a great view of your very young team in front of you. Is there a player in the U.S. men's national team? And I'm not, sure, I'm not trying to get you to single someone out, but I think it's kind of it's always interesting to hear from a player's perspective whether there was a player that you didn't think they had something in the locker or they went on to exceed your expectations. Was there a player on your team that you're just sitting back saying, wow, he's pretty special? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, I got to be in, in the training week with, with Christian Pulisic and uh, he obviously featured in the game, you know, in his hometown and, and that sort of thing. And he's, you know, his resume speaks for itself. He's obviously a special player and a special talent, and uh, he'll be a big, you know, massive part of the national team moving forward. Uh, but some other guys, you know, I thought that uh, our holding mid, our number six, Weston McKinney, played really well. He's at Schalke, ton of ability, uh, huge upside, and um, you know, and for these kids, it's about if they can find minutes at their at their clubs. Uh, and really blossom them, you know, I think that we're going to have a really, really good national team going forward. There's a ton of young talent in the pool. There's a ton of young talent at the camp. Uh, and it's exciting. It's exciting that, that these young guys get an opportunity to come in and prove their worth and, and, and show how special they can be at a young age now instead of having to wait another year or another two years. Right. Well, we'll look good on you. Uh, good on Toronto FC. I know it's difficult to miss league games, Alex. You want to be there with the boys, but... I mean, it's just an experience that you just can't, you know, shy away from. No, of course. And it's something that, you know, it's one of those things you never forget. Uh, it's like MLS Cup. It's like your first MLS game. Uh, it's one of those moments that I looked forward to my entire life, and now I've achieved it, and now I'm even hungrier to, to make the next one. It was it's f- like, you know, you win MLS Cup for the first time, and uh, you're hungrier to win, to win number two. And um, that just kind of speaks to the competitive spirit of, of us professional athletes and and of myself is that, you know, you, you always want to keep raising the bar higher and uh, nothing is ever quite good enough. Uh, even when you are at the top, no matter what, no matter what league or what position you're in. It, it was, it was funny on last week, uh, last week's podcast, your goalkeeping coach, John Conway joined me and we're chatting about you mm-hmm. and Clint and, and waxing poetic about the quality of both the goalkeepers that he works with on a regular basis. But I, I brought up the fact that I knew that you had made it and you're going to be something special. And you actually addressed this in media availability today, funny enough. It was after that disappointment of the San Jose match in your first season where you mm-hmm. let in, admittedly, a soft goal, but you bounced back. You showed that mental strength, that mental toughness, and you came through it in spades. And I always feel that any player or anyone in wa- in any walk of life, quite frankly, when you face adversity, that's when it truly reveals character. And you did so with flying colors, which you know brings us to what we saw with the Liverpool goalkeeper in the Champions League final. It's just it's just funny how you brought that up and how you could can relate to that situation, and how that in the end has probably benefited you over the course of your career and set you up very well to deal with disappointment and deal with failure at a time that each and every player that plays the game has to experience at one time or another. Yeah. I mean, uh, first off, thank you. Uh, obviously for, for any player, when you make mistakes that let a team down, it's a dark time and it is about how you respond. You know, there's, there's nothing that can go back and change the error that you made. Um, and that's, that's something you're right. I, I did address that today. And uh, for, for the Liverpool goalkeeper, for, for Karius, um, you know, I, I haven't been fortunate enough to play on, on that big of a stage yet. And, uh, you know, obviously with social media nowadays, the the hatred and, and the, the bad messages that he's been getting are, you know, 
at an all-time high, and I can only I can only imagine how how devastating that can be and how scary that can be. So, uh, but yeah, I think that in any situation, in any walk of life, uh, the way you make up for your mistakes is how you rebound from it. Right. And, uh, the way you rebound from it, you're right. It, it shows a lot about your character. It shows a lot about your your mental strength and your mental toughness. And uh, mental strength and mental toughness is something that isn't easy to come by, you know. Um, but if you have it. Uh, then, you know, I'm a strong believer that, that you can do whatever you want and you can succeed in anything you do because no matter what happens, you're always going to find the good in it and you're going to bounce back and you're, you're going to be mentally strong in the next situation you face and uh, you're going to do everything you can in your power to make it better. I like how you said I, I haven't played on that big of a stage yet. You're in a very good place here with Toronto <laughs> FC. You're in a winning club in a winning situation and one that's been very good for your development. Do you think that mm-hmm. you will personally know the moment when you may be ready to go play Champions League football in Europe or beyond? Like, do, do, do you have any inclination? Like, do you think it'll just hit you, say, you know what? I'm ready for a new challenge. Like, my game is at a position where I feel very comfortable. Like, does that cross your mind, or do you just kind of live in the moment and, and kind of take things in stride? Maybe. I mean, it, you know, it's fun to think about that sort of thing and, and talk about it, and you talk about it with your friends or your family and that sort of thing. Uh, when things are going well, but um, for me, it's it's something that when the opportunity comes, if I believe it's a good opportunity, then that's that's when I'll cross that bridge. And until then, you know, I'm a firm believer that you have to focus on going into training and getting better every day, getting your game experience, and and succeeding. Because if you can succeed, uh, if your team succeeds, then it, it looks a lot better on yourself. And uh, I've always I've always said that you know no individual success can come without the success of a team and yeah uh i still believe that and i and i always will in, in the sense that listen when when toronto is doing well uh it looks good on alex bono but for me what matters is that the team is doing well and all the other stuff that's outside of that uh it comes it comes along with it you know but but the main focus and the main goal is is to make sure that you're succeeding at a team level and that's that's what's the most fun you know it's it's no fun playing well and and having your team lose that's no fun uh the fun part is you know I told the guys I, w- I would have I would have had a curious night in the Champions League final, and if we were we were able to lift that trophy, that would have been that would have been okay for me. You know, that's uh, that's just kind of the the player that I am, and 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 how strong I see uh, team success and, and and winning. Right, and and that's what it's about right now. Uh, big match in Columbus, the team that you faced in the Eastern Conference final last year, played them first match of the season. I'm guessing that it's been a positive week of training and you're feeling good heading into this match. And your counterpart, Zach Steffen, I mean, now he's up with the U.S. men's national team. So perhaps mm-hmm. because him and Will Trapp are up, it's just an, another opportunity for you guys to really get your season kick-started. For sure. And, and every game's an opportunity. And, you know, obviously when you go into it, you look at guys that are missing and, and guys that won't be there that are away on international duty or injuries or suspensions and that sort of thing. Right. But, um in any situation, uh, every game is an opportunity for us. We still believe that we have the best team in the league. There's, there's no doubt that uh, our mentality should be that. You know, I, I'm a firm believer that we do have the best team in the league. And, uh, you know, we just kind of started in a slump. And uh, momentum in this league is a, is a huge thing. You know, so a couple wins, uh, pick up a few points here and there, and, and then, you know, the wheels start to turn. And uh, it's a downhill it's a downhill ride from there. You know, the momentum swings, and, all of a sudden, we start to speed up, and then all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a different situation. So I think that really is just catching on and, and, and trying to fight for a few points and 
uh, and then the momentum and and our team quality will take will take the precedent from there. It's a it's an emotional roller coaster calling the games. I'll tell you that much, and it's, and the in the <laughs> lives of the supporters as well. So we're all in it with you. Final question for you: What did you do with your dog when you went away? Did you leave it with Jay Chapman? No, I would never leave uh, something that's in my care with Jay Chapman. <laughs> uh, I love him like a brother. Right, I live with him. But there's there's no chance that I would trust him to take care of my dog. My my parents came up for the Friday game um, or the Orlando game before we left, and they took him back and they brought him down to Philly. So uh, he wasn't able to be at the game, obviously, but he was able to celebrate the moment with us afterwards, and that was that was special for me. But you know, in regards to Jay, I don't even know if I'd let him you know take care of plants for me. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, let alone just, your you know, like. Jay is well, so I do. Oh, I. It, we all know Jay. Um, he was supposed to be on the podcast we last Jay. week. Ask him if he showed up. Ask him about that. Uh, we forgive, we don't forget, Alex. Um, but you know me, I'm a dog guy as well. Is there a player mm-hmm. on the team you would trust your dog with? Whew. I know that Drew Moore has two dogs. Yep. I know that Drew Moore is a responsible human being. He's an adult. He has a family. Um, I know that Drew Moore's a nice guy. So I think that if there's one guy I would leave him with, I think it would be Drew Moore. And then he also had friends to play with while I was away. It's the right answer. It's exactly where I was going. (laughs) Drew the dog walker has a good ring to it. That's how he can rehabilitate, right? I was going to say, while he's rehabbing, he can go on, you know, a little half an hour walk every day and and keep him company. You know, some pocket change. Just a side gig. Yeah. You know, we're all looking for those. Alex. Yes. Uh, Alex, really appreciate uh, this, buddy. We're all really proud of you. Good luck this Saturday in Columbus, and uh, I'm sure the best is yet to come. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I I hope so, Gary. Thanks for having me on. Welcome back to Come On You Reds. Thanks again to Alex Bono for joining us. Going back to my main man, Terry Dunfield. Look, he's a future potential replacement, Terry. For you or me, he is smooth, dude. I felt like you were cheating on me a bit there, I'll be honest. Well, I feel like you're doing that with me, uh, with Benoit Sheru on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Bono, top man, though, isn't he? Top man yeah. and top and goalkeeper. top player, too. Yeah, we're on the same page. Exactly. Uh, we don't have much time here, but let's go rapid fire. New grass at BMO Field. Shout out to the BMO Field grounds crew doing work over the course of the weekend. How important is it to get a new surface in that BMO, Terry? For the way TFC play, it's huge. And to the point where TFC have rescheduled TFC 2 games, which isn't ideal for them. I, I think they need an optimal playing surface to play at their best. And, and, and TFC really play a high-tempo, fast-fluent game. And if you're chasing baubles and, you, and your touch round and look it, it, it'll affect your performance so that's important and the rock stars are, sorry the crowns crew absolutely are rock stars the winter sucked good on twitter too give them a follow they are mother nature sucked over the course of the winter made their jobs and lives very difficult um a fresh surface will bode well for the rest of the season and it's all about style points and the way that tfc plays a uh, fair point terry uh, also, well, and the other thing I'd say too is TFC. Like they're close to twenty games already. And I know. It feels like the season's just started. Crazy. They're one third of the way through the regular season. That's it. Just one third. Wild. Uh, they got their 
big shiny rings on Monday. You like them? Yeah, it was cool. It's a, it was kind of a nice touch. Uh, yours is in the mail, I heard today. Uh, we'll see. It is. It is. It was just a late sitting, and, and that's why the slight delay. So no worries Ooh, there, brother. Do I have a custom ring? You have a custom ring with your name engraved on it. I hope it says, my precious. A la Lord of the Rings. <laughs> right on the side fitting. of it. <laughs> Only messing. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I think it, it was a nice mo- moment for, for the players to um, relive and, and, and just go over what a spectacular year last year was, winning the treble, the fashion they did it, record-breaking season. Uh, TFC rented out Casaloma for... Uh, three hours in the middle of the afternoon, had a little bit of a lunch in, uh, and, and just toasted what a what a fantastic year last year was. All the MLSE brass were there, right? And I, and I just think the way uh, things have gone this year, it's just a little reminder that look, you guys, we've added a couple of players, we haven't lost too much, maybe only Raheem, and uh, you know what? We look how good you look. What we did, look at look. Uh, for us to accomplish so much last year. So I thought right. uh, just the timing of the event uh, w- was nice. Bill Manning spoke, Pesachenko spoke, and Greg Vanny spoke as well about uh, some of the difficulties, and it wasn't clean sailing last year, and uh, we're, we're going to need some of that grit this year to, to claw back some points in the league. Uh, the only person who probably couldn't fully enjoy the day was honestly Greg Vanny. That's all I could think about because he's trying to prepare for Saturday. You know how coaches work, Terry. You're one as well in the academy. You're always thinking about your next game and the Columbus crew are on deck. Look, TFC, just it's been a failure to kickstart their year thus far because there has been good performances from game to game and within games. It's just that, that run of form that they had last year where they just rolled off win after win after win. They haven't hit their stride yet, right? Like, they beat Philly, give it away in New England. They come back and beat Orlando, give it away against Dallas. You really want to start a run right now. And they're playing against a depleted crew team on Saturday. You know, that's exactly where his mind's been. Yeah, I think so. I, I think as soon as you have a result in the bag, and it can be as, as far back as, as once you're, you're winning in a game, you're already thinking about the next game and resting players or taking play out players who are taking knocks. And we've gone over it a million times already, all the excuses TFC can make, and, and they're true ones with the injuries, the travel, the short offseason last year, uh, new players getting adjusted. But it, it's time now for TFC to really step up. I, I love the, the matchup against the crew. I think we see two of the best footballing sides go at it. The crew are, have players away on international duty. Zach Steffen, the, the goalkeeper, is coming off of five straight clean sheets. He's going to be missed. Uh, Will Trapp's a big one. Yeah. He's, he's our captain, and he's the Lane is higher up the pitch. I think the heartbeat of the team is Will Trapp. He's like their Michael Bradley, so he'll be a huge loss. Clark could come in for him. Um, so it, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, sort of another week on the training ground, the type of performance that the system TFC put out. Of, I, I'd imagine they'll go back to a back four with just Zardes up top. He's leading goal scorer in the MLS right now. I think going with a back three isn't ideal against him. I think it's easier to defend him in a two, uh, which should mean Michael Bradley goes back into midfield. Yeah, and I think that's a better place for Bradley to be. Zardes, eight goals already this year and two all of last year. It helps when you're playing with players like Federico Higuain. We think that 
at the time of taping, that his red card w- will have been rescinded. Christian Martinez will not. He slaps Sinovich of Kansas City in the head. <laughs> Alas Latin, <laughs> he gets two games. Latin gets one. I'll leave that yeah. alone. Santos may or may not be in the lineup. He's being hurt. And Columbus have four games in 13 days. So this is a good time to catch the crew, in fairness. Yeah, form-wise, they haven't lost in seven. But, yeah, they're missing players. Gorella is another one who's come over from the New York Red Bulls. Uh, he replaces Miram, who moved on to Orlando. I think he's a, a key player for them. I think Santos will come back in. So they're a threat through the middle of the park if they're given time and space. Higuain can hurt you. But they've also got some ingenuity and a little bit of pace through Santos on the wings. And, and Zardes' little darty runs in behind. He's coming off missing a penalty uh, in their last game. But, but he's a major threat up top. I'm not the biggest fan of Artur, the Brazilian, in the middle of the park. No, you're and not. They've been they've been solid at the back. They have five five clean sheets. But when when you bring in a new keeper, keeping he's he's only made one appearance this year. That does change things. Yeah, uh, looking forward to it. Seven thirty Saturday night. I got a good feeling about TFC this week. Hasler's back. Zavaleta's back. Mavinga had a tooth pulled to deal with a hamstring injury. We'll get a dentist to explain that next week. We're up against it, but we got to end on this note. Shout out to Mike Macero, seven years at the helm of Toronto FC, PR and communications. He's making way, leaving the club. We wish him all the best, don't we, Terry? 100%. He moves on to the Argos, so so he stays within the MLSE family, but he's going to head up their media department uh, as we said about Alex and, and so many people involved with TFC, he's just a top man. He was a uh, press guy when, when, when I was playing and uh, very good at his job. But also when you're on the road it, 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 and it's a little bit of a slog, he's, he's just a good guy to have around. And uh, like you said, we wish him all the best. Good stuff, Dumpf. We'll do this in person next week so I can see those pearly whites. Sounds good. Thanks, Terry. On behalf of my main man, Terry Dunfield, I am Gareth Wheeler. TFC Columbus is Saturday night, TSN 730, TSN 1050 as well. And this has been Come On You Reds.